Hey everybody, welcome to Nowhere to Run. Thanks for tuning in to the show, however it is that you found it. I'm super glad that you did find it. I'm glad to be back with you, all the regular listeners. It's been a little while since the last show. I've been real busy. I've been doing a ton of research for an upcoming project, and I'm just filling up like to capacity the amount of information that I can handle, and it's just not a lot of room for anything else going on right now. But I want to make sure I'm still doing about a show a week, so I'm going to try to stay on that schedule. A lot of announcements and stuff like that. First, about the website. You can go there. You can contact me. Hit the contact button. It's got my email address and all that stuff. You can just type it in, nowhere to run 1984 at gmail.com. If you have any questions about anything that I said, you can also comment there on the individual posts. But I want to encourage everybody to email me if you have questions about stuff, the Bible, Christianity, conspiracy stuff, whatever. I'm happy to try to answer your questions. And if they're, you know, if they're important questions about something you're struggling with or whatever, it moves to the top of the of the list. And I really try to get back between one and two days, sometimes three days if it's if it's a lot of stuff going on, but usually pretty quickly. So, and if it's on the weekend, it you know more on the line of three days or something like that. So. Anyway, I do want to encourage you, though. I do try to get to them all. If, if you've written and it was important, then do resend it. or res- Because it was I didn't not answer you intentionally. Sometimes they do get lost in the mix. I have a pretty good method of, 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 of answering emails now. But every once in a while, they do get lost in the mix. I've found that out recently. That, uh, that my system isn't as good as I thought. So please resend them if, you, if you've been waiting on an answer. And I haven't gotten back to you in, in that kind of time period. So... Anyway, about the website, I just gave it a new look. I was adding a few more features earlier today, and I thought, well, might as well just make it a totally different look because it has been a while of the same look and starting to get a little boring. So new, new bright, uh, simple look. Also two new very functional features. One is the Frank and Chris Show episodes are now online for download if you want to load up your MP3 player with them. You can get, I think it's like 115 episodes that are available now. So if you go to my website, on the right-hand side where all the rectangles are, about three-quarters of the way down, you'll see the Frank and Chris Show archives. And you'll just download, you can right-click them and save them, or you can left-click them and just listen to them, whatever you want to do. But they're all online now, so... That is great. Man, I really do miss doing the Frank and Chris show. And I miss just mainly just because I just miss Frank and, and us our, our rambling together every Wednesday night. And I know I'm, a lot of you miss being there and doing that too. Uh, but the fellowship is still available. The Tim uh, and Mike show are is still going on the same same time and on talk show. So it's, it's a lot of the same crew over there. So the fellowship can still be had at the Tim and Mike show, but it's nothing like good old Frank, uh, and the time that we spent there. And so just remember to keep Frank in your prayers. And, uh, if Frank, if you're listening, give me an email. Um, okay. So let's see here. Also added one more page called recommendations where it has a few books that I recommend. Some of the ones that I talk about here, Hudson Taylor, spiritual secret autobiography of George Mueller, uh, Money, Possessions, and Eternity by Randy Alcorn. And the fourth one is Rapture Questions Answered by Re- uh, Robert Van Campen, which I actually haven't uh, mentioned here on the show before, but I just got done reading that as well as a few other ones. And it's just a really great overview of prophecy in general. And I just couldn't recommend it enough. Uh, Rapture Questions Answered by Robert Van Campen. or I think it's called Rapture Questions Answered Plain and Simple or something like that. But very brilliant book, and I definitely agree with that book in a lot of different ways. So 
We will move on to some issues. Let's see. Got issues. Com the conference in Fort Wayne, Indiana, April 1st and 2nd. Wanted to mention that again. Check out the website for that, thepoliticsofreligion.com. I'll be speaking on two different things. Uh, a seminar, a little thing, mini-seminar on debunking, and also uh, a, a presentation on Matthew 24 and prophecy in general with a focus on Matthew 24. But I'm really excited. That's going to be a great time. A lot of my you know, favorite people are going to be there. And I hope to see a lot of you out there too. So again, that's April 1st and 2nd, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Website, thepoliticsofreligion.com. Looking forward to that. Also, I'm going to be on with Matt Kazee on the final episode of his radio show, which his website is truthmovement.com. Matt Kazee was a guy who did an interview with me really early on, and he has done several documentaries and things like that. He's a, he's a great uh, truther, as it were, and I'm honored to be on his last program. That'll be a live show, so there's a chat room, and there's all kinds of stuff that you can do there. I'll put out a Twitter or something before, I, before uh, I'm on there to remind you of it, but it'll be January 5th, I believe, and that is 7 to 9 Eastern, I believe. January 5th, 7 to 9 Eastern, so that will be pretty fun. And I've got another announcement here, but instead of me announcing it, I'm going to bring uh, Dr. Future, otherwise known as Dr. Michael Bennett here, and he's going to explain to us what he's doing at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville. Well, Brother Chris, thank you so much for uh, letting me join you on your show here and love all your listeners out there and uh, any of them that are Futurians as well, too. is glad to be there with you. And I want to thank you for making this time very impromptu. Uh, time and extend this offer to let people uh, know what uh, we're trying to do to just try to do things the best we know God's way to make a difference in this world and in our country and uh, no longer just sit on the sidelines and complain about what's happening in our country but actually uh, try to do something small but something in the spirit realm uh, to maybe start as a catalyst to make a difference or at least try and I, I want to apologize to you brother Chris and your listeners that I've gotten a little under the weather in the last day or two, so I'm sort of struggling a little bit to talk here. I don't know what it picked up a little upper respiratory something here, but uh, uh, anyway, we're supposed to be recording a show tonight, a future quake tonight, so gotta gotta get snapped together. But anyway, what's going on uh, is that every February, end of February in Nashville, uh, is a very unique event uh, at the Opryland Hotel, a huge facility in Convention Center. They have the National Religious Broadcasters Convention. And this is the place for all of your top-notch, biggest ministries and Christian media, uh, just heavy hitters in the evangelical world and American Christian uh, activity, all come to this one place. Uh, they, they do some strategizing. Uh, I went to one of the meetings one time. And walked around, and actually I was a little bit disillusioned, to be real honest, Brother Chris, with some things I saw. There was a lot of emphasis on business practices and how to increase the bottom line, and, and really not much that I saw about actually seeking the Holy Spirit, you know, or seeking God's direction in a ministry. But that's neither here nor there. The fact is that the people who are the most influential uh, people in the body of Christ in America all come to this one place right here in the home where we do Future Quake and where your ministry's at and a number of other ones. And uh, to be real honest with you, for, for people who listen to Future Quake, uh, they know that a lot of times our evangelical leadership are the ones that I have sometimes the most issue with. Uh, 
in the fact that they don't speak up on some issues that I would think Jesus would find to be very, very important. And sometimes my suspicions that uh, being ingratiated to certain political parties or certain powerful figures or even financial reasons to not disenfranchise people, that they, they hesitate to take unpopular stands. And uh, I, I know that you can take that to unfair lengths, and I don't want to do that. You know, I, I, I want to use the golden rule and to look at what they do in their motives the way I'd want to be considered. But at the same time, this is something that's really burdened me for a long time, that uh, they really are the rudder of the ship of the Christian evangelical community, at least in earthly activities that go on. We know God's spirit is doing his own thing and working throughout the body, but their influence is there. And so, you know, after all these years of doing future quake, about six years and, and documenting and slowly even evolving our views about how things are working for the world and better understand what the Bible's trying to tell us about it. Uh, there's been many a time where we've complained about the direction of where things are going, but I've been really burdened lately about trying to figure how to put more of my energies less on digging up all this information and spending all the time on that and spending more time doing something about it. Uh, and, you know, when, when we're individuals, uh, you know, we're not a big, well-financed organization like yours, uh, Brother Chris. I know you're one of the big <laughs> ministries out there, uh, you know, with the big jet and everything. But we're, we're, we're pretty much an out-of-pocket operation, and, and I'm joking because, I mean, all of us in alternative Christian media are sort of in the same boat in that respect. And it's easy to feel like when you're looking at voices that have well-heeled political figures – big financial groups and foundations, and these are just ones supporting evangelical groups. When they're behind all of this, they have the media arms that are on the networks on the radio around the country. It is very easy to feel like my, my voice is limited. Now, I will say you probably have less to feel that way because I, I know the extent of what your ministry is doing through you know novel means like YouTube and other things like that. But for the average person out there, you feel like you're just a voice crying in the wilderness. And... Um, uh, I decided that even if it's something by human means doesn't look like uh, it could have a huge impact, that just simply following Christ and following burdens that he puts on our hearts, that we need to do it, if anything, just out of obedience. And the other thing that, that hopefully I'm slowly growing up over, and that, that's a long process for me, is to recognize that you better be careful if you come out swinging and, and you know, uh, laying down a lot of what you think is wrong with everybody else and, you set that love aside, you're going to ask for problems eventually. And so what what I've tried to do is to come up with something that is spiritual in nature, that's intended to be sincere, genuine, uh, positive, constructive, uh, and basically it's a time of intercessory prayer uh, that uh, my old buddy Tom Bionic and I are going to do uh, out in uh, right across from the Opryland Hotel where they're convening on February the 26th at 5 o'clock Central Time. And we're going to meet out there, take the Future Mobile out, and uh, just uh, go over a prayer uh, that I've drafted uh, called an intercessory prayer for uh, American Christian leadership and media that uh, we're, we're going to recite in faith to God uh, and just turn it up to God to see what he might do. Um, we don't want to lean on our own understanding. There may be some things in there that that are not right, that God needs to correct us on. But we want to at least take an act of faith and also acknowledge that it's only through the work of God, through his spirit and through prayer, 
that real positive, uh, lasting change and good things happen. So that's it. It took me a long time to get around to it, Chris, to say it, which is not uncommon for me. But that's what we're going to do. We, well, we're going to go out and have a, have a prayer time. How can uh, people find you if they want to join you? Well, uh, we would love everybody to join us. We have not announced this as a meeting or an event. We've not scheduled anything like that. We are going out to pray, and if anybody wants to join us, we'd love for them to. If you're familiar uh, with the Opryland facility, we're meeting in the Opry Mills parking lot right in front of the uh, cinema there uh, and right adjacent to the Opryland Hotel facility there. Uh, we'll have the Future Mobile out there. We've got a flag Future Quick flag that we'll be sticking up on a little pole, not to try to make a big scene, but just to help people find us. Uh, we don't know what we're going to encounter there. It may be an empty parking lot. It may be blocked off. Uh, so we've got a backup. There's a Shoney's restaurant right outside the gate, uh, right off the exit ramp at uh, McGavick Pike, that we're going to retreat to either to complete our prayer if we're asked to move along, or uh, af- after we're done, we're going to uh, eat and have some fellowship in a special room we have. But... Uh, if you can't remember any of those details or need more, if you go to futurequake.com, uh, on the front of futurequake.com, in the left-hand column, we have some of this information. We have it on a little PDF files so you can click on. Uh, one of them has the prayer itself. You can review, uh, see what you think about it. If you cannot join us, we would love for you to recite this prayer with us or, or whatever prayer you want to do uh, with us at 5 o'clock Central Time on Saturday, February 26th. We'd love for you to do that with us. We also have a little press release announcing what we're doing and why. Just a very brief thing. And then also there's a little uh, PDF file with logistics, which says, you know, turn off at this exit ramp, exit 12. Turn at the light across from the Holiday Inn Express. Uh, you know, meet, meet, meet it in front of the light 6E. Those kind of things. And, you know, what if this happens? Here's what we're going to do. So uh, this is new to me. I'm sure there's a lot of things I hadn't thought of that will happen if it's like normal. Uh, we'll improvise. We'll do what we can. But uh, that's the directions. We may like to do it. We would love for you to pray with us either wherever you are around the world listening uh, or if uh, if you can join us there, if it's within a reasonable drive. We try to do it early enough that you can still get back uh, Saturday night reasonably evenly even if you drive a little bit but we would love to see you we'd like to unite together in prayer and and you know the bible says we're two or more gathered in my name there he will be and uh, we just pray that uh that there good things will happen that we'll find bravery in our evangelical leadership that um, they will not be assuaged by deception and deceptive forces that we've documented on our show yours others in the revelation radio network and others that they will not be assuaged by uh, intimidation, by uh, uh, flattery of powerful figures, and that they will hear only from God to hear the kind of word we need to hear for our nation. Man, I think it's a really great idea, um, and so much in this country has probably been moved by just a few people praying outside of stuff. Uh, so that's Saturday, February 26, 2011, 5 p.m. That's Central Time outside of the National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville. Dr. Future, thanks so much for being here, and thanks for much for this idea. And anybody that wants to join them, you can go to futurequake.com, and you can also listen to all the wonderful program that Dr. Future and Tom Bionk have with, over there. So thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you so much, and thank you for having me. You're, you're the only one so far that's uh, you know decided that, to have me on to talk about this, and you don't know how much I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks to Dr. Future for that. And i got one more thing to mention, and that is the recent project that I'm going to be working on, or am working on, it's the biggest thing that I've ever done. I am really, really excited about it. It's a full-length movie 
about prophecy, trying to explain prophecy in a pretty systematic way. The production value, I hope, will be bigger than anything I've done. That's not saying a whole lot, but it's it's going to be something where uh, hopefully it, it will be good enough to where I can send it to uh, pastors and teachers in a in a mailing campaign and at least give them you know the possibility that they that they could watch it and stuff like that that's that's my goal is that it could be used for something like that and so the production value is going to be I'm going to spend some time on it uh, I actually have some interviews that I'm going to be filming with a, a few key people this weekend but that doesn't mean that it's like going to be almost uh um done or anything it's going to at least be the, I'm going to shoot for having it ready by the conference, uh, the Politics of Religion conference, but I'm not sure it's going to be at all. The other part of this research is sort of the byproduct of it is is going to be that the presentation that I'm going to do on Matthew 24 at the conference. I have been doing so much research on Matthew 24 the last few weeks that I almost want to throw away all the stuff that I did about Matthew 24 over the last nine weeks at Verse by Verse with Mike, because there's so much that I would have added to it. There's some things that I actually would want to take away, too, minor things, but but so much that I I wish I would have said in that. So I just I just can't wait to do this presentation. Matthew 24 is the key. It's like the, the, the circuit uh, in this big circuit board and if you take that chip of Matthew 24 out, all the lights, except for a few, start blinking. But if you put it back in, it's just all of them, like, come alive, and it's this wonderful, like, you know, show of lights and lasers and everything. It, it, it's so complex. It's like this mathematical equation of words. It's like he, uh, speaking of Jesus, words things in such a way that's calling you to say, no, look, if I say this, that means this. You have to go over here, and I'm saying the exact same thing over here, a time that has not been since any time before it, known there ever shall be. You, you can find that phrase like four or five times in the Bible, you know. Um, and, and similarly with, you know, it's obviously calling you to go check out Daniel and the abomination and the desolation uh, that Daniel the prophet said, let the reader understand, you know, go check that out. But other than that, it's it's connecting the Old Testament prophecies, which are just so many of them, the day of the Lord and time of Jacob's trouble, you know, on and on and on with the book of revelation and matthew 24 is the key we can't throw it away we can't say it's not relevant it is so relevant it's the thing that makes it all work and i think that part of that is showing the reasons why some people throw it away are absolutely unfounded and and it's really easy to debunk i guess you could say but there is so much more than debunking that needs to go go on here and that's one of the reasons i like doing this normally um and a research project this size, I think next comparable thing I have is probably the David Icke thing. I mean, I've just had a head full of David Icke. I could talk about David Icke, you know, for hours on end. And what can you do with that? I don't want a head full of David Icke. I wish I had a delete button for my brain to get rid of all this stuff because I could win at a David Icke, um, you know, trivia contest or something like that. But with this understanding Bible prophecy for real, like in my heart, understanding it, and not just sort of knowing proof text, not knowing where to turn, but to understand it is beautiful. It's something I've always wanted. Uh, I've changed my view of prophecy a few times on the air, basically, if you guys have been around long enough. Uh, and that part of that is because I want, and I I hope this is the reason why, that I, uh, um, you know, I feel accountable for what I believe to a certain extent. I mean, that's what makes me research stuff and, and 
a lot of times, you know, people will send emails either way, but when they send an email that makes sense, you got to deal with that. You have to change if, if it's right. And if it checks out, then it checks out. I mean, you just can't do anything about that. And so I, I've had to come to terms with a lot of different things about my views in Bible prophecy and that there's been a lot of presuppositions in my, in my view. And I think that they're unnecessary because the Bible doesn't have any contradictions in this regard. I sort of used to have this belief that it kind of did, you know, well, you know, it, it could have said it better, but it just didn't. And, and the reason I believe that was not because of hermeneutics. I mean, the thing is that I think a lot of us in, that, that know and, and, and believe in Bible prophecy, we would all agree to the same basic hermeneutics, you know, that the Bible is, should be taken at face value. You shouldn't allegorize when unnecessary. You know it's time to allegorize when it's either a parable, if it calls something like or as or as it were, uh, you know, when it's calling you to allegorize or, or perhaps in the context specifically, you know, it dictates it or something like that. Uh, similarly, you know, you know, we could all agree on the basic tenets of hermeneutics and the classes in hermeneutics that I've taken. It's like, uh, yeah, this is all common sense, right? I mean, you, hermeneutics seems to be synonymous with common sense. Everybody would tend to agree on the basic principles, but we tend to get away from them when they conflict with our presuppositions and everybody has presuppositions, including me. Um, it's, it's trying to work around them and I, I don't know, at least recognizing them. But anyway, there is a, a great deal of work to be done in this regard. I think that prophecy in general is something that needs to be studied more. The, the Thessalonians got taught it the first week. You can see in the, in the, in the writings of the new Testament, how big of uh, an impact of the beliefs of, of the apostles and, and all the people uh, that were, you know, of the early church, that their belief in the rapture basically carried them through so much time of distress. Um, but, but it's not just that clearly God wants us to know prophecy. 25% of the Bible was prophecy. I used to think that, you know, you could be a prophecy agnostic. And I think that up, you know, maybe at certain times of history, that was, that was quite all right. But at some point, somebody is going to be called upon to go through this last time that there's more words in the Bible spoken of about this last time than there is even of all the, 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 the time of, of Jesus, you know, walking the shores of the Galilee, there's more about what's coming than there is even about that. So clearly we're supposed to know about it. Um, prophecy is something that can be determined in a really, you know, basic studying kind of way. A good example is Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Um, there were guys standing there that had done work in their, in their Bible prophecy it wasn't easy because, you know, Daniel said, you know, from the time that uh, the decree goes out to rebuild, I can't remember exactly, the, rebuild Jerusalem until the Messiah will be a certain number of days or whatever. And even then there were like three decrees really Artaxerxes get, gave, like, but one of them was more specific to that exact same thing. Well, this is the one that was actually about Jerusalem. And so, that, you know, but there was some debate, you know, it still is like, is it, is it that one or is it the one before it? Um, so those guys that were standing there with the palm bread branches in their hand, waiting at a particular gate, waiting for a, a guy to ride in uh, on a donkey. 
even those three characteristics came from different books. I think it's Zechariah that mentions the donkey. You know, the gate is taken from somewhere else. So these were guys, these were prophecy nerds standing up there. And I guarantee you, they were debating before it actually happened. It's like, well, no, man. I mean, it's probably the Artaxerxes uh, command to rebuild the actual wall because that was needed before, you know, and he was like, no, no, listen, look, I'm telling you, man, it's got to be today because so-and-so and so look, it says right here that so-and-so and such and such, look, it's got to be right through that gate and it'll happen any minute, man. It, it has to. And then they see this guy riding a donkey that's never been ridden before, which is a miracle in itself. Um, and they start singing Psalm 118, Hosanna in the highest, you know, um, that that's you know, and, and Jesus says later, because you guys didn't know that this, that he was weeping over Jerusalem, didn't you know the time of your visitation? Now, I know that that means also that they should have known the time of their visitation uh, of God to, to earth, uh, to, to the Messiah, to them. They should have known. They should have, they should have not rejected him and everything else. But it also has the distinct connotation that this, the day of your visitation, this, this day was the one that was prophesied to the very day by Daniel. Anyway, I'm not saying that people need to know Bible prophecy in order to be, you know, saved or it's, I'm not trying to put any implications. In fact, I think Matthew 24 says that, um, that they, it, these signs and wonders, these false line signs and wonders are going to be so great that it would mislead, if possible, the elect. So it's, it's saying it's not really possible to deceive them. I, I don't know how that's going to work. I mean, if this, this deception shows up, they'll immediately know it's a deception. I'm not exactly sure, but I would say that there's still a bunch of other people that um, are not saved that even think that they are and for them this is helpful information this is helpful information for everybody else it's helpful for evangelism and it's also helpful because we are commanded to know the general time you know it says that that you know a lot of people think that you know they say you ask is it going to come like a thief in the night and they say yeah it'll come like a thief in the night it's like well you know that's for unbelievers it says for them It'll come as a thief in the night, but for you, don't let that day overtake you as a thief because you're not in darkness. You're in light. Uh, Jesus tells us to watch for the signs of his coming uh, and gives us very specific signs of his coming. That's what Matthew 24 is all about. What are going to be the signs of your coming? And he gives us quite a lot of them. And he says, when you see this stuff happen, then you know, it's going to be like watching the fig tree. You see it putting forth its its roots, you better get ready. It's it's even at the doors, he said. It's 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 soon even at the door. So um if for no other reason is just being obedient that to, to know it. Alright, one other thing that I wanted to talk about was this idea that I think I'm pretty qualified to talk about actually because I see it all the time. And it's in this sort of conspiracy Christian genre that we are all in, or a lot of us are in, there is an epidemic of something going around. And, you know, a lot of us have figured out, okay, yeah, the New World Order, they're satanic. And this is all some sort of grand spiritual agenda that they hate the Bible and they hate Jesus. And somehow Jesus is like, he is absolutely the antithesis of the New World Order. And we come to those conclusions basically through good research. If you did diligent research and you didn't have a lot of presuppositions, you would come right to the intellectual conclusion that the Bible is correct and that the New World Order is satanic. But so what? A lot of people just intellectually come there and they just turn the channel to cons to this form of conspiratainment. You know, nothing changes and and... 
they still love conspiracy more than they ever love Christ. And it's not that you have to make a commitment now. You can't just listen for free. It's nothing. That's not what I'm saying at all. I, I, I'm saying that that the the problem with that is that it manifests in lots of different ways. If you're totally unregenerated, you know, you don't have anything, you're not, your life isn't changing. You, you, you still are in habitual sin. You're, you're not desiring holiness. You're not desi- desiring to, to repent, to turn away from any of this stuff. And you uh, claim to have been a Christian for a long time. Um, you know, you know, if you want to know what, what's really on, on your mind, I mean, what kind of, stuff are you listening to with your, with your podcasts, you know? How much of that stuff is learning about the New World Order versus how much of that stuff is learning about the Bible? I mean, I'm talking to the people that have been in this for a while. The people that are just here, I mean, gosh, I, I can't tell you how long it, of the weaning process that was for me because I was resisting it, but uh, I was certainly uh, being, I was desiring change, uh, and I was being given change. But what I guess what I'm saying is once we find this truth i mean once we determine for real that this is actually true the bible that is and that everything that it says it would make logical sense to then be like okay well then we've got to understand this thing but intellectually speaking that would be the next intellectual move then okay if the bible is true it obviously it claims to be true it claims to predict the future and it claims to know the heart of men it claims to know the heart of the illuminati it, it gives us everything that we need to know about the spiritual world and um but i'm still going to learn more about what you know it's not just that though it's not it's not that it manifests in lots of different ways if you love conspiracy more than christ then you will take the old occult thing that we got from the conspiracy world which is you know the quest for secret knowledge and everything like that and the desire to be elite among men to know something that nobody else does and that would that served the occult really well we certainly served the devil with that mentality how many of us bought oregon or uh you know did you know meditation tried to talk to your archangel or did the tarot cards or you know, you name it. It's all out there and it all is there. The reason we even got to that point was because we were being led down the the trail with breadcrumbs that said, this is the way for you to be um, better and smarter than everybody else. In the conspiracy world, if some, you know, totally unregenerated person, oh yes, I'm Christian, I, I listen to all the right uh, things and everything else, then you ultimately will bring that exact same mindset into into this you'll you'll be like um i know that whatever it is you're so vulnerable first of all because you don't have any discernment in that regard but you're vulnerable to to just the wackiest stuff paul was a a false prophet and and all this stuff now that that doesn't make any sense when you look at it and everything else i've done a series called polyanity debunked and everything but that's but what i'm trying to say is that that's not really you know, the the alternative to that is, of course, you know, you have to do the, the Jewish law or you're going to, you know, you're going to perish. So it's not really the only good thing about that is that you get to be smarter than every other church in the country. That's the only thing that has going for it. It certainly isn't true. You can debunk it like 97,000 different ways. Uh, it, it's certainly not something you would want to be true. Uh, not only do you have to throw out most of the New Testament, not just the letters of Paul, but also Luke, Acts, uh, Mark, anything that Peter had anything to do with. 
um, and so on and so forth. You're left with very little, including Matthew, because Matthew uh, obviously used a lot of Mark. So you don't have any of the Gospels um, except for John. And you know what I'm saying? You have to throw away the Bible, and in addition to that, you have to follow the Jewish law. And I actually know people that have done that. And they loved conspiracy the whole time more than they ever loved Christ. I know this, these particular per- people for years, and that's all they ever really cared about. The only time really Christ came into the picture was when there was a new interesting conspiracy about him. What's the correct way to say his name or, or you know, these kinds of things. And really, that's not even what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the false teachings about him necessarily and that, that it manifests in that way. One of the things that is the biggest problem is that the people that love conspiracy more than they do Christ are people that are obviously dead in their sins. There's no, there's in habitual hatred and self-absorption and, and everything that is, that in, in, for some reason, when they're quoting Bible verses, it makes it so much uglier, you know? And it just causes everybody around them to stumble. It, it, if you know that the Lord's not working in your life, that you are not, uh, you're still just in absolute habitual sin, that you you know, I was quoting the gospel and I could tell you everything about it. But until I repented, until I said, you know what, I'm going to turn from this. I'm going to try it your way. I'm going to dethrone myself and enthrone you. You say that you know better. You, you're you claiming to be God. I, I know that. So I'm going to go try it your way. You've got, you're the boss. Let's try it your way. Now, does that mean that I stopped sinning and was completely sin free from that moment? No way. No, it took years to clean up e- even the biggest sins that I have. I still have uh, plenty of things that are working on. They're incredibly minor compared to what I was de- dealing with then, but they're there. And but but that was the progression. It started. The desiring of Christ is supernatural. It's 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 more precious than anything on this world. There is so much, not just about the new world order, but about everything in the Bible. In fact, I, I I learned more about psychology of the new world order from the Bible than I ever did from Alex Jones. Again, a lot of you are out there that are new or just here, you know, just figuring this out. This isn't necessarily for you. For you, I just want you to know that, um, you know, as you're listening and as you're trying to figure all this out, know that that is the logical step. You know, it, if it's true and you have come to the intellectual conclusion that this book is really a supernatural book, that it was every name, place, and details here by supernatural origin, and that it's here for a message. Obviously, there's an intricate message here. Stuff that is, you know, I mentioned the Bible prophecy earlier, but not just that, but everything. It's, there's nothing that hasn't been covered Everything in the pages of history, everything in the pages of psychology, there really doesn't need to be anything else than this. All you need is a concordance so you can dig a little deeper and get to one extra layer because there's the layer on the surface and then there's a layer underneath and then there's a layer underneath that. It's too vast for one lifetime. And if we've made it here, then you have to at least dedicate some amount of time um, to this just to be intellectually honest with yourself if you've made it this far. And you have to be honest with yourself that there is this desire for that you want to know more than everybody else, that that um, exists in psychology. Because if you can recognize it, then you can see the importance of humility. How, how many verses in the Bible talk about, you know, I will um, 
uh, exalt the, the humble and bring low the prideful in the various different ways it says that in the in all throughout the Bible. And if you have pride, you can be used by this great evil because it it will drag you into every kind of form of error. It's so important to the whole the whole psychology of deceit. There wouldn't be any deceit if if people were humble. Um, maybe that's, I don't know if that's too strong of a statement or not. It's such a key component to it. So, you know, while a lot of this stuff is true, obviously if we're, if we're um, in this sort of genre, there is a great deal more truth here than there is in the uh, <clears throat> Project Avalon forum, but there is also a lot of potential for deceit if you are still desiring the old occult elitism. And we should recognize that in ourselves. Some practical measures, if you're convicted at all about that, is to um, do something about it. You know, maybe you can start, if you, if you don't have any desire or anything in your heart right now, at least make the intellectual move of trying to learn a little bit more about the Bible. If you are listening to iTunes or whatever, there's tons of stuff out there about the Bible. I mean, like I've said a million times, the verse-by-verse -verse Bible teaching stuff. David Guzik. Pick out a book in the Bible and go through it with David Guzik. You know, he's got an hour on every chapter in the Bible. Just pick one out, pick a short one out, and go through it with him. Just just at least, you know, make a, a intellectual commitment and let the Word of God do its thing, you know? Let it let it start to soften your heart a little bit. You can also begin to pray. It's, if, if, if for whatever reason you've been told that you can't pray, that, you know, saved or unsaved, we can all pray. And it doesn't matter if we have just stumbled, if we're in sin or whatever God wants to hear from you. It's not like you can hide anything from him anyway. You might as well be real with him and ask him for the stuff that you need. If you need conviction of sins, if you don't feel anything, but you know it's true, if you don't, then then, then beg him for uh, conviction. Let him just Put it on your heart so much that you have no op no other choice but to turn from it because it's so heavy on your heart. You can pray for that. Pray for a desire for the word. You know, you can ask him for these things. And um, anyways, there was one other thing that I wanted to talk about. Sort of a downer show, I guess. But the other thing is pornography. This is something that I'll probably make a video about in the near future and it will probably be, have an outline and a script and everything else it'll probably be short assuming I make it uh, this is something I've wanted to talk about for a while pornography is a little bit different than other sins uh, for example drugs and alcohol doesn't really have a natural response to where you want to do drugs and alcohol I mean it does if you're addicted to it, you know, there's you're addicted to the chemical and there's all kinds of physical stuff going on there. But let's say before that ever happened, before you ever got addicted to it, or after all those addictions are gone, you didn't have any natural desire to smoke a cigarette or natural desire to drink whiskey. It just it just uh you just didn't. But it's different because with pornography, it's rooted in a a natural desire. It's a purely physical phenomenon. It's going to probably be a little more graphic than most shows, but, you know, what the heck. So it's rooted in a physical component, buildup of semen, a desire to get rid of it, basically. And that desire to get rid of it is that it, it, it's not inherently bad. It's what you do with, the, with that is, is, how, is what it's all about. 
when I first was saved, um, pornography was one of the first things on the chopping block. I was like, okay, well, this is probably this is the one more obvious things that I want to try to deal with, and it actually was one of the more powerful things. The the reason it's so powerful is. Well, I mean, there's lots of different reasons, but it also has, like like a drug, it's an endorphin release associated with, you know, you're, you're seeing everything you could possibly want to see at the click of a button. It changes shape and size and color uh, all at your whim, and it's like exactly everything to the very T of, of exactly what you would want. And that's just not, not only is it not natural, but it's also bad for you. It's it's causing uh, chemical uh, responses and releases that are highly addictive and destructive. It's not just physically destructive, but it certainly will ruin your relationships and everything else. I found in my life that once I sort of, once this was broken, I have described it in other shows and other places as it's, it's very, uh, it's liberating. It's kind of like being a human, but you never really know what it feels like to be a human until you're out of that vicious cycle that I'm sure most of us uh, or some of us have spent a great deal of our lives in. So right at first it was pretty difficult because, you know, coming from a situation where there was no restraint whatsoever and then all of a sudden an attempt to have restraint, it was difficult, but not not impossible. Again, this is after I was saved. This, I was I was given this, uh, you know, as everybody is, it's in Christ, given an ability to turn from sin that you previously didn't have. It no longer has the, the, the power of sin is broken, but you have to do your part in the commitment to repent from it. And repent, again, is synonymous with turning from it, to, to make an active about face and turn away from it. So that's what I tried to do. Now, I, I'm this is the one that has had caused the most trouble out of everything. At that point, I really hadn't even thought all that much about pod. That would come a little later. And I quit that altogether shortly, you know, a few months later. Um, after much, uh, well, after much conviction about it, but, but, but pornography being so strong stuck around for a much, much longer time. And I want to talk a little bit about the journey and just sort of give you my, testimony in regards to it because I think it may help people out there so okay so one thing I wanted to mention first is that there is a natural and good way to deal with the the, the responses that men get from the physical reactions and stuff I mean you're going to have desires what do you do with those desires and I would submit that there is a good thought life a good fantasy life that can be pure that it needs to have guidelines certainly no you know, pornography, no, no, nothing like, you know, magazines or, or internet stuff or Facebook or whatever. All that stuff is, is pornography. And so that stuff has to, you have to, that stuff is definitely on the list. Now, for me, early on, I was thinking the, the guideline that I set for my, my thought life in that regard was, okay, no, the Bible says, um, you know, don't look at another man's wife with lust in your heart or you've already committed adultery with her. So, I'm not going to anybody that's any that's married or that I uh, go ahead and extend that to anybody that's somebody else's girlfriend, you know, that they are not eligible for uh, you know, a, a pure thought life in, in that regard. So that was sort of the initial guidelines I gave myself as as far as that goes. But here's the important factor that it extends to not just you know, you know, pornography starts when you're 
out in the world, when you're walking around in the store, when you're at school, when you're at your job, that's where the real test of your thought life starts to take shape. Because if you were like me, I had no, you know, I would look at what I wanted to look at, look as long as I wanted to look at it, you know, and, and that was a big, you know, that's never had any real restraint except for not wanting to get caught, you know, but that, that was all. And that I noticed acutely, especially when I was in the band and we were in a lot of situations uh, like that kind of stuff. And it, it just became more and more empty. The more that I drank in, uh, the more that it, it, it became, it became a, a hole of, of emptiness. You couldn't get enough and it was just, it was going to just never be a good thing. So I just to mention there that it, it never is going, it's not a good thing anyway. It's, it's poisonous to your soul. Uh, in fact, there's a Bible verse about that. Let me find that. Yeah. First Peter two verse 11 and it says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. And that's what it does. But so you're out in the world, you have an opportunity, you, you see this, you know, um, person that's walking down the, the aisle or whatever. You have to look once to know she's there, but you don't have to look the second time. And in fact, you should turn the card around and find another way around. I mean, you should avoid these kinds of things. And it that was so difficult. I think in a lot of ways, the, the, the test outside of the you know your house was more difficult than the test inside your house. Because that was when you really noticed, to me, the, the, the desires. And that's when I, at least, always recognized the power of... That it had over me, how even when I would resist the, the intense desire for me to be like, I just want to look anyway. I'm just going to look anyway. You know that that was the interesting thing at first. And this is another component to this. As you begin down this road, it's going to be very difficult at first. But the the longer that you that you go, the longer that you resist, the less power it will have, and also, a part of that is if you give in, it seems like it all comes back. And if you can make it further down the line, then it'll be that much more weakened. But if you give in, it will bring you back. I'm not sure to the exact same place, but at least uh, it will bring you back low again. And that's really the story of a lot of what the next years would be uh, for me. It was... It was an increasing amount of victory, an ever-increasing amount of victory. That's the important part, I think, that's important to, to know here. But that would be peppered with, uh, with, with stumbling. And, um, you know, and I would refine sort of that list, you know, that I let myself think about in my, in my thought life. Um, that was then a strict adherence uh, uh, to just... At that time, my girlfriend, who right when I started, we weren't together, but you know, right when you know, as we got back together, she, uh, uh, we definite that was all that it was is is her, and and really, that's if you have a wife or if you have a girlfriend, trust me, if you restrict your thought life to just fantasies about her, at first, I know this. Big girls are listening to this and be like, "What do you mean? It's hard." No, it 
it's hard because of what you are so used to. You know, the click of the button and they change shape, size, and color and the endorphins and everything else. It, it seems like a, a, a difficult task. You're like, but let me tell you, you wouldn't believe the difference that it makes in your life. This is where, because of that, is where I kept saying I feel more human. It was really about, it was really about that one thing. When that started making sense to my brain, it's sort of recovering from its trauma of, of pornography, and really placing that, um, that where it needed to be in, in a rightful, good way. Then it changed everything, um, and it changed it in a deep part of my soul. It seemed like. And so it's a good thing. Like every other sin, this one kills, steals, and destroys. It steals joy from your life. And it, it spiritually is murder to your relationships and everything else. You know that if it plays out, then it will destroy everything. In the same way that alcohol and cocaine and everything else is. Um, so, But anyway, so, so on to the journey. That's, that's kind of how it, it went. Um, had, at that point, pretty refined... Um, ideas about what was and wasn't okay in terms of thought life and um, there was great strides made I mean you know weeks and weeks and weeks months going by without uh, and doing better in the stores and and that getting easier and hey you know I think I've got this thing beat and then slip up Uh, you know my you know whether it was whatever it was it was me giving in or whatever it was, a slip up. And, and there there was a lot of grief, I think. Here's something I want to mention in that. There was somewhere around that time that I figured some great thing happened as far as my recognition that God's view of me wasn't changing based on my stumblings. He wasn't mad at me for stumbling. Now, the stumbling had in it its own consequences. You know, the stumbling was kind of opening me up to, again, being attacked more with the, the, the stuff about desires and, and everything. It kind of had to start from ground zero again and, and build back up. And it, it had its own, it had, contained its own punishment. But God was using it for good. He was using my sort of grieving over it to build up my resolve to get back on the tightrope and walk it much further than I did last time. And when that changed from me, from Satan telling me to be guilty and not go to God, and now I'm you know outside of God's will and all the things that he'll say, there was this moment somewhere in there when I recognized that even the stumblings were working together to, to, to help me beat this, you know, this thing and they were I I would be more grieved of it and I'd be like oh lord you know so sorry you know let's you know try this again and and we'll you know do it you know even better this time and and we would uh and we would and it would go so much further you know and there was that that was the pattern for a long time and you know there was a lot of victory in in there and I learned a lot about myself and I really started to understand that that uh God views us as righteous in Christ if we're saved. And that's what 
in terms of my salvation, in terms of God being mad or, or, or at me or whatever, he sees me the same. He sees me the same. The sins and the doing, and even the good deeds have their consequences. You do good deeds, you have consequences. You do bad deeds, they have consequences within themselves. God has set the order of things as such that um, you could be a bad person and do good things and there would probably be good consequences for those things. You could be a great person and do bad things and there would be consequences for those things. They're just inherent in them. But his view of you, if you're in save, if you're saved, is the same. All things work together for good for those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. That's what it says. And that's what I found that even the stumblings were doing. And it kept progressing and getting better. It, it says in the Bible that if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. And that's the story of, of you know, resisting pornography. The more that you resist it, the more that the desires will be taken away from you. And I can't stress enough that this starts outside of the house. You have to be diligent about not checking people out at when you go out. And that gets so much easier. I, I've recently had a lot of, uh, I've noticed this, that it was so much easier to do out there nowadays. Like, I don't think twice about it. I don't look at anybody, uh, any women out there. If I see, you know, somebody that I think is attractive or whatever, I just see them once. Um, I will turn the card around. I will go to the other aisle. Not because it's that powerful, but because it's just the pattern that I have now. I'm not going to go back. You know, why would I want that? I, it's gone now. It's kind of like, you know, when I was addicted to cigarettes. Uh, w when I finally got unaddicted to cigarettes, what in the world would make me want to smoke another one to, to get addicted to them again? Um, that doesn't mean that every once in a while a cigarette doesn't sound really, really good. And that's the same thing with pornography. That it, it of all the things that I've quit, it seems to be the thing that I'm least likely to say that I've beaten for good because I know that it has this potential to, to come back when I le least expect it. In fact, right, uh, you know, as I was having a ton of victory with this, um, and I had gotten to a point of just, you know, really it was, everything was going great and I was having no trouble resisting. Um, there, there was a few times when I would wake up from a dead sleep with an absolute, I would guess supernatural desire to, to, to look up porn and I would go and like get right to the computer. And I mean, this is in the middle of the night, three in the morning or whatever. I mean, I just woke up on the computer and then I realized what I was doing. I was like, what? What am I doing? You know, I would catch myself in the nick of time. And um, that happened twice, a, a few months apart from each other. In the same kind of situation, I was doing, having a ton of victory from it. Um, it was almost like that was my weakest point then, you know, when I was at a dead sleep. And so the temptations there, uh, were, as Satan often does, will, will attack you when you're at your weakest. Um, and that seems like that was happening then. So, gosh, I guess... The moral of this story is that um, resist the devil and he will flee from you. To have a pure thought life, um, that fantasies themselves aren't bad. And if you repent and desire to turn from this with all your heart, then that's then then go through it with God. If if you're going to stumble, then then let the stumbling have its perfect work in you. Let it. Let it convict you. And if you don't feel convicted, 
if you don't have any remorse at all, pray. Ask for remorse. That's one of our best weapons is that we can pray for conviction of sins. Um, pray for conviction for specific sins and be diligent about that prayer. Take charge of your internet life. Um, it, obviously, you're not going to be going to any you know pornography sites or whatever. If a banner shows up, you know, until you can get off of that page or if you have to be on that page, hold your hand up. Put your hand away from it. In the same way that you would turn away to somebody in the supermarket, you put your hand over that screen so you don't see that banner. Or if Facebook causes you to stumble, don't get on Facebook. Uh, or whatever. I mean, whatever it is, whatever it is that's causing you to stumble, take care of it. You know? Um, and so that's sort of the attitude of, of repentance, that you are doing your part uh, for that. And that is, that's, that's, where this all begins. So anyway, I hope this helps somebody out there. Sorry for kind of a downer show. Sorry for all the edits. This show has taken me, I don't know how, I don't know how long to make. I've been making this for hours and hours. And uh, anyway, so if you want to contact me for any reason, you can do so at my website, my newly revamped website. Let me go through some the list here and remind you of some of the things that we talked about here. Uh, remember Dr. Future and his prayer uh, thing. You can check his website, futurequake.com, for more on that. The Frank and Chris Show archives are now on my website. The interview with Matt Kazee, um, the new new Hebrews study has started at Verse by Verse, the recommended book section on the website, and uh, don't forget about the Politics of Religion conference. It's going to be in April first. Really, if you think about it, it's basically the end of March. So it's it's only it, it's pretty it's pretty soon. You can go to thepoliticsofreligion.com for more information about that and to see the speakers and who are, is all going to attend and everything. Thank you for your time, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.